Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're discussing COVID recovery initiatives in donor management. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on June 17th. The questions discussed are, has your donor engagement strategy changed from month one to month four of the pandemic? Are you seeing donors more or less engaged? How to manage relationships with your boards? What do next steps in the COVID-19 response look like? Among other things. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is our discussion moderator, Margaret Owen Spiek, followed by Amy Skilbred from Juno Community Foundation. To get us started, I want to jump off with uh, COVID recovery and talk about um, a few different things here. So we have um, questions such as, has your donor engagement strategy changed from month one to month four? What's working and what isn't? Um, Is anybody seeing donations uh, from donors who initially withheld? I know there was a lot of conversation around donors who wanted to see what the needs were past um, the initial emergency response. So I'd like to hear if anybody is working with donors who are looking at a little bit more long-term recovery initiatives. Um, And then I'd like to talk a little bit about your relationship with your board and how uh, that may or may not have changed and if your conversations are different. So um, with a couple seconds to think about um, each of those questions, I'm going to open it up to the audience to see if um, anybody has some comments on any of these three questions. This is Amy Skilbred, and I'm with the Juneau Community Foundation in Juneau, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And um, our donor engagement strategy, um, you know, what we've really gone to is personal calls to people um, mm-hmm. and spending time on the phone with them, um, targeting our larger donors or more frequent donors. So very specific donor engagement strategy um, with those folks. And then reaching out with letter or email to say what we're doing and keeping people apprised of how we're using our COVID recovery money. And um, at this point, actually, we're spending a lot of time with our local government on the CARES Act and Mm -hmm. setting up a nonprofit stabilization grant program. and, And so really, really shifting a lot of focus to um, that pot of money and how that may help the non our nonprofit partners and all the nonprofits in Juno. Um, mm-hmm. So those are our our big things. How's that work with the government been going? Is that one of your main focuses? Um, Specifically, we partner with the government on giving out social service funds annually. So we give out a million from a fund that we have, and they provide about. 800,000 to us. So we have a relationship with them already. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we found has also been good that where you have relationships, they can be stronger. It's sort of, it's a little harder to start some new relationships mm-hmm. now, but yeah. the government is working well. We have an organization in Alaska called four acre and um, they have done a tremendous amount of work on um, with uh, the Alaska Municipal League on coming up with a nonprofit and small business uh, grant program sort of guideline for setting one up and mm-hmm. sort of have experts we can go to in the state that people um, respect. And, mm-hmm. and that uh, 
uh, that's helping a lot. So we'll see. Uh, we haven't gotten the actual money yet, but yeah, um, they're working with us on setting up the program. So it looks likely. So. Yeah. Laying down the groundwork there. That's great. Exactly. Thank you. Any other thoughts here on how your engagement strategy has changed from month one to month four? What's working and what isn't? Hey, nice to be here. It's uh, Sarah. I'm with the Oakville Community Foundation in uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, and just kind of want to speak to the donor engagement from month one to four specifically. Mm -hmm. um, where we've really seen the most uh, momentum is keeping them, um, to, to the other speaker's point, uh, keeping them as informed as we can um, on regular updates. And uh, I know that we've certainly sent out probably half a dozen um, uh, press releases to our media, and we also similarly show those with all of our fund holders. Um, the complication for us in Canada is that um, we've become a dispensary for funding through a federal grant program. Um, so our focus has been on that and, uh, and, and not on the need to kind of go back to fund holders specifically for an ask. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a reinforcement that um, we're about to announce what, are, what has been uh, allocated. We will be announcing through the federal government program and it's a, it's a great indication to say there's still a lot more we must do. Mm -hmm. We do know some of our fund holders are holding back. We do know some of our fund holders have said up front they don't want to give the grants now. They'll do it in the recovery stage and the rebuilding stage. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> we know that there will be some opportunities. But, you know, regular contacts with the fund holders in all channels, I just think is the only thing. That the thing that we're learning is having the most impact and making sure that they're um, kept abreast of what's what we are doing behind the scenes so that's great nothing brain no brain brain waves here just general good thoughts no no it's um it's really interesting you know as far as focusing on allocating out that funding from the government and spending maybe slightly a little less time with um your fund holders currently you guys only have so much bandwidth um and so you know continuing to communicate around impact there seems like a really great way to go about it and then you can you know circle back with those key donors who want to contribute in the um, recovery phase so that seems like a great strategy I'll add one thought to this, which is that the um, we're just in, in the process of writing a blog at the moment talking about the fact that we are a member of a large uh, um, national organization, Community Foundations of Canada. And mm -hmm. with, without that alignment, without that partnership, we wouldn't have just been given $550,000 to push mm -hmm. out the door to our local charities. Mm -hmm. So the alignment being part of a national network being part of a, a a broader think tank group such as community foundations us would have no different would have similar organizations is a really reassuring message both to fund holders and prospects i yeah. think yeah so that's the focus that we are working on right now that's great um i think that makes a lot of sense mike george greater toledo community foundation a couple of points um we have started engaging our high-end donors in uh, a Zoom convening that we call the State of the Foundation. So we've mm -hmm. done uh, three of those so far, and we're going to continue to do more into the future. Uh, but we, we limit it to about 10 or 15 screens on the Zoom, uh, and it allows us to have good interaction. Our CEO does a brief presentation, and our board chair does a brief presentation, and then we open it up for questions. 
So that we, we've seen some positive feedback from that. We did do a mailing to our donors. We had purchased uh, small little hand sanitizer gel packets and with our logo on them. And we put them in a um, approved envelope through the US post office and mailed them out uh, to about 700 of our donors. And we got positive response on that. It's, it's just the size for you to put in a purse or your pocket. And um, we had a nice message on it uh, because our state is opening up. And uh, so we're, we were letting them know that we're thinking of them as they go out into the community. So we got a lot of positive feedback about that. Um, it's been a challenge as far as uh, donations. Uh, we've seen some smaller donations and we've seen an increase in the inquiry about legacy, establishing mm -hmm. legacy funds. But mm -hmm. as far as big uh, funds being opened or big gifts coming through the door, uh, aside from our COVID-19 fund, um, it's been tight. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mike, I'm curious what kind of uh, questions you're fielding within those high-end donor state of the foundation um, conversations. What, what do you feel like your donors are focusing on in those um, conversations? In those conversations and the conversations we have when we did phone calls, most mm -hmm. of them have expressed um, hesitancy about jumping in right now, but knowing mm -hmm. that the market will recover and that there will mm -hmm. be need. But right mm -hmm. now, everyone is kind of focused inwardly as, as mm -hmm. we thought they would be. Um, mm -hmm. and, and everybody's just kind of waiting to see what's next. Yeah. So uh, no, one, no one said, oh, you know what? I'm done. I'm never going to support philanthropy again. <laughs> but conversely, no one has, uh, you know, stopped by with or, or dropped off or mailed a, you know, a seven figure check to us saying here, here's what you, you know, do what you need to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, are people concerned, like concerned about the actual state of the foundation? Is there like a conversation around kind of the financials and how you guys are reacting around that? Are people thinking about that for you guys? Uh, yes. Or is it more kind of their financial state? <laughs> It, uh, the state of the foundation very much when we do those conversations very much speaks to the fact that a foundation, a community foundation is built to withstand these situations and are, you know, we have a 20 mm -hmm. quarter look back, those sorts of things that yep. we explain in depth. So yep. if they did have questions, then, you know, we're, we're letting them know that, hey, we've seen things like this before. We're built to withstand it and we will continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a great educational experience for those donors. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, what other hands do we have? I don't really, I don't think I really have a whole lot more to add. That was very interesting to hear about the Zoom meetings. I, I really liked that. I, I will say that, you know, for us, you know, this whole process happened right as we were in scholarship application mode and mm -hmm. and of course uh doing a really quick um development of of our emergency response fund you know for mm -hmm. the, the covid relief um we haven't raised you know giant bucks in that i mean we're a small rural county in in southwestern pennsylvania and with the what, what is your organization again betty yeah, uh, I forgot to say that. But the Community Foundation of Green County, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yep, yep, so yep. The southwestern, the southwestern corner of Pennsylvania, the Appalachia. Mm -hmm. uh, but I tell you what, the response to that fund has been really great with a lot of, um, I really haven't had to do a lot of outreach for it. 
mm -hmm. uh, for the for the donations, which has been really great. People have heard about it. Um, I like to tell the the story. A woman stopped in uh, two weeks ago after our elections, uh, a few days after our elections, and she had received her check for being. I, I guess she must have served on one of the precincts or something or another. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess they get paid for it. And she said, here, <laughs> and, and dropped off her whole paycheck. It was, she had mm -hmm. cashed it. It was in cash. But um, because people know that something needs to happen, we have had um, a donor, but we'd already had to, started the discussion before this about starting a, a scholarship fund who essentially gave us the payment. To, to start it, um, but trying to get, you know, as, as some of the others have mentioned, you know, some of those unrestricted monies or monies that, you know, we could use to help us do what we need to do throughout the year. Uh, we're not taking administrative fees on our uh, donations for the response to emergency fund. So, yeah, but there's a lot of work to it, and, mm -hmm. and that's a hard that's a hard part. Um, mm -hmm. I will say that because of the scholarships, we have at least maintained uh, through calls, you know, and emails to our donors on what was happening with those, and um, you know, helping them to to know who you know who the student is who received their their scholarship and, and mm -hmm. how those were being handled. And that has been uh, quite quite positive for at least donor engagement. So, mm -hmm. but you know, I wish I had something really neat out there. But it's it's really been a struggle to almost keep my head afloat, to be honest. Yeah, um, and I mean, I don't think you need anything you know, too neat. There's some tried and true donor communication as far as just thank you, thank you, thank you, and education that will always work. <laughs> right, right. And, and we're getting ready to, now that the scholarships have been awarded, uh, with, with the scholarships, we usually, in the past, have sent out a picture of the student in, in, a, in a small cardboard mat frame mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, along with the thank you notes mm -hmm. and uh, our thank you notes because we're using the SLM process mm -hmm. are, are electronic this year. I kind of like the handwritten ones, but at least with the electronic one, if somebody sends in a, a, a thank you note that I don't think is really adequate, I can mm -hmm. email them back and say, we do this. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> Um, but but those are the touches that that our donors have really liked, you know, getting yeah. those pictures and and having those notes. Absolutely. And, and that really makes I think an impact for them and helps the students to understand what that relationship is. Okay, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate that, Betty. Does anybody have um, any perspective on how they're managing their relationships with their board or? Hosting board meetings, um, how have those gone remotely? Um, pushing that back out to the group to see if people have thoughts around that. Uh, this is Chris Common, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Idaho Community Foundation. 
we have a board made up of just over 25 individuals from across our statewide community foundation. And uh, traditionally, we've met quarterly in person at a location somewhere in Idaho, and everyone's traveled to that. Mm-hmm. In May, we had our uh, first, probably first ever, uh, board meeting via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And we dedicated one of our staff members who was pretty schooled in Zoom meetings to have her uh, on the back end run the meeting for us while mm-hmm. our president and CEO uh, did her part and then um, board chair and other board members did their part. So that was actually one thing that I th- we found very helpful. Uh, so when a board member either couldn't sign in correctly or he or she couldn't mute themselves or figure that out, uh, we had, um, Alicia in our office to be dedicated and the board president have to worry about taking time away from her efforts to to help with that. We also used a chat room that the zoom platform has. I think that's what it's called a chat room, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we, a breakout room, maybe. And yeah. we had our board members break out and we had committees, respective committees break out uh, for 10 minute, 15 minute sessions. And that worked extremely well. And while not ideal, uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how, uh, how well it went and how our board members received it. That's great. I love the um, chat room functionality for committees. That's very smart. Anybody else have some perspective on um, board meetings and running those um, in light of COVID? My name is Sally Cross. I'm the president and CEO of the Community Foundations of the Hudson Valley. And I was named to that. I've been at the Community Foundations for six years. I was named president and CEO effective June 1st. Um, So I have been, uh, we have been Zooming, you know, we're, we're in New York, so we've been on lockdown and still mostly are, um, or stay at home, very limited access. Uh, we too have used a dedicated staff person who's managing the Zoom, um, the votes through uh, using the chat function, but then there's always someone on the phone. So it, it makes that process a little bit laborious because she ends up having to do a roll call sometimes of many of our 24 members. Uh, we had to, had to supply an iPad to a couple of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also, I think, spending a lot more time on, I mean, I probably would init- anyhow as an incoming CEO, but I'm spending mm-hmm. a lot of time on one-on-one phone calls because I am hearing I, some feeling that the board meeting is not having as much sort of interactive discussion um, as it, it. As it if, if we were live, mm-hmm. uh, which makes total sense because we've had to keep people muted and... Um, you know, carry on the conversation that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's just too, too large of a group to mm-hmm. have a free-flowing conversation. And so there's mm-hmm. a bit of a loss there. Um, but I have to just be reaching out on a, a one-on-one or in some cases, you know, we've, our committees have been very, very active. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing most of those by Zoom and that that's a smaller group. So you really can't have a conversation and, you know, talk about the weather and your pets and kids or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, a thought is potentially those zoom, those breakout zoom rooms, um, as far as getting people, um, on, you know, in a smaller group where they can chat. And I think mm-hmm. that you can bounce between them, um, as president and CEO. So that might be a thought to help, uh, facilitate some more kind of 
intimate shoot the breeze conversations. Right. Yeah, we, we haven't tried those yet. It's um, I think our average board member age is north of 70. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I totally understand that being a challenge as well. Um, yeah. Coming from the coming from the technology perspective. Yeah. So um, wonderful. Well, um, have you um, heard anything specifically in those board meetings as far as, you know, things that the board is thinking about? Um, major concerns or kind of trends or themes from that conversation? Well, we had to cancel our, we have one big annual fundraising event. It was scheduled mm -hmm. for October 3rd. Mm -hmm. um, it's been canceled, obviously. And because yeah. uh, you're just not going to put 400 people under a tent, no, no matter what state we're in. No. But there have been a very enthusiastic response to we're doing a special fundraising campaign for recovery grants. Uh, mm -hmm. We're calling it Pivoting to Respond. Um, mm -hmm. There's some good discussion around that and a lot of good participation. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I, you know, as with our initial response grants, this is all going to be 100% pass through. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in that sense, a real sense of everybody pulling together for the community. Awesome. That's great. Um, we'll move on to the next couple of hands here before we move on to the next few questions. Um, this time is flying by, so I want to make sure we can get through most of it. So a couple of things, we actually just held our annual general meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and the whole thing was virtual. Um, mm -hmm. It was um, board members, it was donors, fund holders, um, and staff. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very hands-on effort by a, probably about five uh, or six different staff members and triaging when technology fails and people mm -hmm. can't get in and you happen to be the guy presenting on the finances. Mm -hmm. Who's the, who's oh, the backup? <laughs> oh, um, but it was great. It, it, uh, it was extremely well, uh, well managed and well received. Um, we had fund holders on there which was great. They were able to vote. So we had a very open process for method and method for, for voting, which was for polling. Um, and it was, it was great because it was transparent and, uh, and it recognized, um, you know, everybody's abilities to have a, we um, had to mute everything, everybody, but you were still able to have the chat option open. Um, <clears throat> we're also just setting stage for a board retreat in August, and that is going to be virtual. It's um, about four hours in length, and um, we will be using the breakout rooms. Um, we have two guest presenters on top of the board and staff that are all part of that. So, um, you know, it's been, it's, it's amazing how quickly everyone seems to have adapted to mm -hmm. the technology, um, but how resilient and also really um, just kind. You know, not everything works as you hope it would, mm -hmm. uh, in a, as in face-to-face. I, I'm not, I, my role is not in a, in a, the most senior leadership role and the director of philanthropy and at the foundation, but I know our CEO is definitely very active in the phone with, yeah. uh, with board offline of, of the meeting. So, you know, I think it's a balance of all things and, mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and the, the, the Zoom rooms are great. I just did a session with uh, the Canadian uh, gift planners group. Mm -hmm. uh, the, earlier this week and we were in breakout groups and it was terrific. It's a great way to have brainstorming sessions and think tanks and imagine those sticky notes are, you know, you can't, you can't obviously see them all in one room, but uh, you can do them in a breakout. It's great. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. That's great. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. 
Hi, really quick. It's been interesting just listening to what everybody else has been doing with their boards and how it's been working. We're finding that Zoom is great as well. Um, we provided some staff support for board members who um, were doing it for the first time, and mm-hmm. um, several of them had done it through their rotaries and other things, and mm-hmm. so they didn't need it. But um, that staff support beforehand helped a lot to make it a smooth entry the first time. Yeah. Um, and then every two weeks, it, like when we were in the thick of it, the first oh, eight weeks of the um, of the virus, we I did a two week um, end of the week note to the board members, just an email saying, "Here's what we're working on," which they really appreciated um, yeah. because they otherwise sort of don't have any idea if it's mm-hmm. not in the in the press and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then um, my board my board chair checks in weekly. Uh, we did a a, a a web training together on um, chair and um, executive director interaction and what that should look like. And he's been pretty religious about you know a weekly check in now to just see how I'm doing. So that's been mm-hmm. great. Um, and then. Um, that we're moving forward with them on the non-COVID work as well, mm-hmm. just so that that doesn't fall by the wayside. So strategizing yep, yep. a bit about our community impact funds, which are field of interest funds covering four different areas. Mm-hmm. And we have board leaders for each of those. And so that's been good to a, a little bit of normalcy there. Yeah. Um, and so Absolutely. that's what we've been doing. Um, that's great. Um, well, that comment is a great transition to our uh, next set of questions. So what other initiatives is your organization working on? And, um, you know, this, uh, this question has taken a slightly different turn um, in light of recent events and what's going on in our country today. So I'd really just like to open up the um, conversation to um, anybody who'd like to share their experience in the past couple of weeks or, um, you know, share questions and their organizational response to that um, and also talk about um, what your organization's plan is for longer term in 2020 and beyond. So um, just opening up the floor to that. Good morning. This is Patty Cramlinger with the Mankato Area Foundation in Mankato, Minnesota. I'm the philanthropy advisor. Um, Not that we're moving pass our initiatives with our community response fund, but we're now paying a little more in, uh, attention to an impact investing initiative to create a double bottle, a double bottom line that we've all heard about, you know, some a revenue stream for us <clears throat> to, to help support our employees as well as do something that's mission important. We're currently considering a a housing development for people with uh, other abled or disabilities. It'll be a 54 housing unit in near Mankato. So that's an, under deep consideration now. So that will start to shift a little of the focus off of the COVID response fund into ways we can be as a community foundation more sustainable in our revenue stream. Absolutely. Thank you. Any other hands there? We, uh, you know, we the the things that we've been doing. Um, I mentioned the federal funding that's come our way, certainly to to allocate. But there have been 
um, ongoing work that we've been doing um, both on uh, to, to the last speaker's comment about impact investing. So um, we announced our second impact investment loan in the spring uh, to a local food agency. Um, we are in the process of setting up a, a fall discussion around our focus on impact investing, also involving our fund managers um, to speak to our fund holders. It's a bit of a um, housekeeping. It's also a you know confidence building in terms of market recovery, but it's also an opportunity to, to really educate our fund holders on the, the value and merits of the impact investing um, focus. Um, but at the same time, and I think on the call with us is one of my colleagues in Oakville, um, <clears throat> she's been the uh, lifeline behind a new scholarship management program. Uh, so we launched in uh, January a scholarship education awards hub, um, and it's actually a hub for, uh, I think it's seven agencies in total, not just ourselves, but seven other organizations in the community who otherwise would be doing it on a paper um, and or face-to-face -face, uh, uh, process to a large degree, which of course, given COVID, our timing couldn't have been any more perfect. Um, it's a fondant product, of course, so we're very thankful of the tools, thank you. Um, and and uh, they, it's been an incredibly successful thing, especially when you start to shine the light on good things that come out of COVID. Um, with technology being where it is, we, we are able to provide um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to scholarships and awards and bursaries to students who um, will have some form of educational costs in the fall. What that looks like, we don't know, um, but we're there. And so I think it's as much as we are all focused on the obvious what can we do to support charities and keep their doors open? We have to look ahead, and mm -hmm. uh, and our fund holders expect that. I, I think mm -hmm. they fully believe that our focus shouldn't just be on on today, but how do we how do we retool? And what mm -hmm. are the tools we have in our toolbox that we could use to better um, position other organizations? So, impact investing is exactly the the right conversation point. I think today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I uh, fully agree with that. Um, okay, well, let's jump back to the questions here. Um, so, um, you know, a big piece of this um, is, you know, your development and programs teams working together to streamline the money in and money out process. Um, have you guys found any kind of efficiencies or, um, you know, in light of COVID and this emergency funding and then moving that forward, is there anything you've learned here to really um, help with that process or gain efficiencies remotely? Um, I'd love to hear about that. Um, are you guys, um, you know, finding that you need to be tracking new information um, and how are you doing that? Um, is there any kind of commentary on um, new things that you're needing to, you know, follow up on or track for the future? Um, I also am wondering if um, people, you know, feel like they're able to plan for the future right now. And, um, you know, uh, Sarah alluded a little bit to that, but is anybody else um, kind of creating other plans or making next steps there? Or are you finding challenges in trying to plan for the future at the moment? I'll lay that out there. So I spent most of my morning this morning planning the fall. Um, uh -huh. We are focused on plan giving. Uh -huh. um, huge amount of focus on plan giving and yeah. this is never better a time for our industry as endowment and yeah. um, legacy giving so mm -hmm. 
it was already in the works. It was a planned uh, event that was to take place in, in the fall with a, a national kickoff of a program that uh, we have been uh, a seed funder for. So mm -hmm. that was already in works, but it was a question of whether we could host a facil and facilitate a discussion with advisors mm -hmm. um, in our community about the value and virtues and some of the soft, soft skills that they can gain. Um, so we're going ahead. We're definitely going ahead with that. I'm going ahead with a virtual uh, women's giving event in August and I'll do another one in October. Uh, we're in the process of doing, doing a research report that will go out um, and it's a sort of a re resiliency fund uh, purview of what's happened in our community and how it's going to help um, point fingers or point some uh, opportunities out for funding and it'll also tie in a, um, a granting catalog that we will be using for the public in our community. So to say uh, there, there's a huge amount of emphasis on moving forward and uh, it's not without a look of where do we need to give uh, emphasis nor where do we need to articulate the need. It is without a doubt it's, this, is, this is the time when community foundations um, are the most uh, influential in terms of guiding those charitable dollars to areas of need and the more we're seeing out there the more we're having conversations the more we keep the awareness of challenges out there um, to, to, to build resiliency so um, yeah I've spent all morning nothing but <laughs> fall 2020. <laughs> well, I was just in preparation for this coffee talk so you Thanks have a good a answer lot. for it right? <laughs> um, I really appreciate that Sarah I think that's all um, really great insight about various things I love the research report on the resilience fund and what you got you know what has been accomplished and what can be accomplished moving forward and I think you're spot on with planned giving um, a lot of people are kind of thinking about that and have the time and space to think about that right now so um, totally awesome um, question to the group uh, this is more of a curiosity question for me is anybody doing um, communications work about the importance of the census um, to their communities just a thought Hey again, uh, Sally Cross, Community Foundations of the Hudson Valley. Um, we are just about through our census spending. Uh, we participated with a number of other funders um, in a regional, well, both in a statewide and a regional census um, funding effort mm -hmm. uh, with money going out to grassroots groups. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we live in an area that has a lot of hard to count um, uh, census tracts. Yeah. So we've been funding about across about seven counties, and I think our direct funding has been $263,000 or something like that. And then there's a statewide three or $4 million effort um, that we've been on the steering committee for and you know, vetting uh, regional and, and larger grants um, for. And you know, I, I, feel, I think we feel good about the efforts that were put out and the work that's being done on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, we have, we have one last small tranche of money to, to grant out, which we expect to do probably next week, um, because they're all, they all had to, um, to really pivot, mm -hmm. um, to telephone, text, you know, some of the smaller entities just had all these events planned that just aren't going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we didn't, we did ask, we did not ask for any of the money back, but, um, yeah. But we said, no, you, we got it. You're not doing events. Just do what you can to put the word out. So, you know, some of them are doing things like putting flyers if they've got a feeding, a food pantry or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
uh, you know, it, 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 we've made an effort. Um, it seems it there, I have we have seen some reports of some tracks where there's been work done coming in higher than they were ten years ago, which feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, given that New York, given the state's budget crisis, we don't expect any um, state money to be coming to support that effort, despite earlier promises. So that's that's yeah. a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing that. I really appreciate it. So with our last few minutes here, I'd love to um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, where you're seeing your donors' interest lie um, in light of COVID and other current events. Um, are you seeing people uh, more or less interested in fun- funding COVID response over, um, you know, this certain time frame? And um, do you feel that people are still funding their favorite projects? Or are they shifting things to more to focus on human services. Um, and then um, did your organization see bunching of contributions at the beginning and that's um, somewhat petering out or um, has it stayed fairly consistent? I'll lay that out to the group as well for some comments. So we're kind of seeing a, a kind of a mix. So we have donors who are still very focused, like our Women Giving Together group, they were they changed their whole grant processing to just meet the needs, basic needs. So the nonprofits that mm-hmm. were doing the food pantries and the shelters and the domestic violence and the um, the low income type immediate needs. So we certainly have those and we have the ones that want to, you know, they have funded some of those basic needs, but they also want to go back to kind of their, their pet projects and, um, but in some, from the individuals, we're actually seeing more giving, but um, you know the corporations were there more hesitant. And as we um, and we have had to try to focus on our our own survival too, and that's what our our one fundraising event is about. So mm-hmm. um, we kind of reduced the budget on that, and we did kind of look at. Plan A, B, and C. Plan A would be back in the ballroom with 300 people, and B would be doing like a drive-in with a big 60-foot screen and where you didn't have to leave your car and we bring box meals to you and that kind of thing. And plans would go totally virtual if Uh we were shut down again because our event is actually October 21st. So we... We talked to our development committee and our event programming committee, and um, they kind of came up with that since the governor of Ohio came out and said groups of 300 could meet um, as long as they were not congregating at a bar or in a cocktail area, but seated at a table six feet apart from each other and no more than 10 people at a table. So we decided to go with plan A with the backup being plan C. So we still, I'm. I'm still accumulating sponsors for that event. It it may be slower, but you know, my prime months we were shut down, so I'm not really sure starting back up again on June first if if this is, you know, it's the new normal, so I'm not really sure how we'll come out. But we we believe we can um reduce our expenses enough and get in enough sponsorships for that event to continue on. And we do have donors that are very vested in the foundation. So that's great. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. 
we, we still have a fair amount of our COVID funds that were raised in the emergency um, part of it because um, a lot of assistance was going out from different areas and um, we were able to provide assistance to like the food bank and food uh, programs and hand sanitizer and mass programs. Um, but because we started the COVID funds and also encouraged people to give directly to the nonprofits of their choice and you know, mm -hmm. again sort of thing, we found that the food bank raised more money itself than was given to us, which is great. It's perfect. But mm -hmm. it did mean that we didn't have to push out as much money um, really quickly. And so we've got funds that are there in order to, um, to do more for the relief and recovery stages. And we're looking at where we can help out around the edges basically on that. And so um, with our donors, when we talk to them, we, we tell them that we might be coming back in the future if, um, you know, this may be a, you know, 12 or 18 months more kind of issue. And so, mm -hmm. um, it's going to get worse as time goes on and the, like the federal unemployment assistance goes away. The $600 a week extra stops at the end of July and mm -hmm. sorts of things that are going to compound the difficulties for people who've lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also begun conversing with people about what they are um, most interested in giving to and getting some of those things going and tying it in with how it, it helps with COVID. So, mm -hmm. you know, we are working with a nonprofit that's building and repairing a trail. We got $35,000 more to raise in that area, but that puts people to work as well. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what we're looking at is how do we um, tie in, you know, where we're starting with those that we can tie into COVID in a positive way. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, all right, folks. Well, I think that that comes to the end of our programming. Um, thanks so much for joining us and uh, stay safe and we will talk to you all soon. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Foundant Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful. And we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 